station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick, joined as always by my co-host, movie sleuth, Melissa Kirscher. Hello. And a movie, we're going to say gumshoe, Jenna. Yeah. Yay, hello. We are here this week to watch L.A. Confidential. Yes. A movie about which Jenna probably knows next to nothing. But let's check, as we always do, to see what Jenna knows about L.A. Confidential. I believe this is a noir film. Okay. Okay. And it may or may not be set in L.A. Those are my... That's... That's, that's what I've got. A noir film set in L.A. And by L.A., I'm assuming you are referring to Los Angeles. Yes. Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, it is definitely set in Los Angeles. I don't feel that's any kind of spoiler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I mean, there are some movies like Miami Connection, which are set in Orlando. You know, there, there are things yeah. like that. Th- yeah. Those things I, do exist. But this particular film is definitely set in Los Angeles. I can confirm this, yes. yes. Uh, this is a film, uh, it's an Oscar-nominated film. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, It was nominated for several Oscars. I'll have to look up and see exactly how many, but definitely... I, and I believe there was at least one win. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look that up myself. Definitely nominated for Best Picture. Yep, uh, nice. It is a really... Really strong uh, film from the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are we haven't we haven't visited we don't visit the '90s too much on this podcast. Yeah, and we uh, should go visit the '90s more mm-hmm. often. I have much more accidental uh, movie watching from the the '80s and '90s because mm-hmm. that's when I was a kid and and, and well, yeah. we had a TV. Mm-hmm. So folks drag you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, the cast of this film is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and there are several people like Russell Crowe, who ooh. is the lead in this I film. I recognize that meme. Yeah. Wait, what? He, he, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, this was uh, kind of just at the start of when his, his star was... Yeah. Climbing really, really fast. Uh, the same with yeah. Kevin Spacey, who's in yeah. this film. Oh, I yeah. uh, Guy Pierce. Yeah, oh. Guy Pierce. Um, and uh, Kim Basinger was around for a long time by the time she hit this okay. Yeah, she'd, this been, movie, she'd been around for a while, but uh, this movie, uh, she wins an Oscar for this film. Yes. Uh, yep. So that's, I don't necessarily want to give away much more than that, but uh, Kim Basinger, Oscar winner because mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, so like a lot of films, this movie, you know, did okay mm-hmm. in box well, well. office. It's really... Home video has been a real boon for movies like this, uh, mm-hmm. in that it really gained a following once it once it hit video. Uh, it is really, it's de- I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a noir, but it's it's a modern noir, and so it's nice to kind of see because we've seen some of the older noirs and to see what they what they did with it mm-hmm. in this film and how they really kind of uh, play with that structure and and. Uh, yeah, it, it, it asked the cinnamon a question, well, what can you do with a noir if you don't have to deal with a Hayes Code? And, yeah. And, and uh, you have modern sensibilities to play off of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Danny DeVito. Danny yeah. DeVito is totally oh in this movie, God. too. Yeah, it's everybody's everyone. in this movie. It's like, I mean, there's, uh, you can... Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, really, this movie should be a, a strong connector, you would For think. For a lot of people. For a lot of people. That, mm-hmm. that you can... You can Work, if you're working your way to Kevin Bacon, you ought to be able to slide through uh, LA Confidential to get there. <laughs> um, 
That may not be the biggest feature of this film, but I'm just pointing out that if mm-hmm. you're playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, do not underestimate the value of L.A. Confidential. That's <laughs> true. Which has nothing to do with this film at all. Do you have anything else that you think we ought to talk about before the movie starts there, Melissa? I think we should just watch it, because it's delightful. Yeah, it's, and I think if we talk too much about this film, we really get into spoiler territory. Yeah. So uh, we will certainly have a great deal more to say after the film. I do hope you will join us in sitting back and enjoying L.A. Confidential. Another bride, another June, another sunny honeymoon, another season, another reason for making whoopee. And we're back. People have been killed. There has been much corruption. Uh, <laughs> there was so much smoking. There was there was a good deal of smoking. <laughs> there, there, there were there were sexy times. There were sexy yes, times. There were not so sexy times. Yes. Uh, scenery, uh, as always, has been chewed. Oh yes. Much many chewing. many many bullets were fired. Yes. Many bullets. <laughs> many and bullets. many careers were launched. Yes. We, we learned one of the classic rules of movie dem, which is if anybody ever asks you the question, have you told anyone about this? The answer is yes. yes everybody I, I met everyone. on the way here. <laughs> yes. Literally people you don't know know about this right oh, now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise... <laughs> never get, say You get your no. butt shot. <laughs> yeah, just it's... Mm, if you're going to say that, be ready with your own gun. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't know goodness. why movie people don't know this. I don't know. <laughs> they don't watch enough movies. You, you'd think you'd think uh, Kevin Spacey's character would be much more aware of that. that he trope. seemed pretty bright right up until that moment. Yeah. And you're like, no, wrong answer. No. No, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey Aww. doesn't get to be at the end of the movie. Aww. Yeah, but he got a really good character, and God, man, that was that was a fantastic character to watch. Just oh, it's so good. Okay, so uh, Jenna, what did yes. you think of L.A. Confidential? I loved it. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, I I the biggest thing that got me was that the guy got the girl at the end. <laughs> Like, he actually got the girl, as opposed to, like, she turns out to be some evil two-timing whatever. He also got shot in the doesn't neck. Get the, well, yeah, yeah but, but the price you pay, come on. Ah. Well, you know, he gets, he gets Kim Basinger out of the deal, you know? He does. Right? That's okay. I mean, you know, cost-benefit in, analysis. In, in a trip to Arizona, presumably. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. We assume a, an honorable discharge from the police force, but uh, we don't yeah. really... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure what happens there, but that's not really relevant. Not really relevant. So, um, there, there aren't a lot of times in movies where I gasp um, because they're movies. Uh-huh. But when he hit her, oh, I know. Right? I was like, oh my god, he yeah. just became what he didn't. Ah, yeah, he what? just became everything. Became everything yep. he hated. Everything he hated, yeah. and that was that was the other thing. All of these characters had pitfalls, and his just didn't. Up until that moment, like yeah. you know, something that makes them not a hundred percent good guys, mm-hmm. you know, and that that was his moment of I'm an asshole too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, and and I I don't know. I would I would disagree. I think his character had a pitfall, and that he was violent. 
Yeah. He he had a very very short <laughs> temper. I mean the 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 whole fight at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know he has the opportunity to stop it, and instead he escalates it. Right, sure. Um, so I, 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 I never feel like Bud White. I've never felt like Bud White is like perfect. Um, no, but, no, but, but he he's, was, he's, he's kind of that. He, he's the thug that just happens to be on the good side, or at least he thinks he is yeah. most of the time. And until that moment when he acts like a thug and realizes that he's the thug. He is yeah. the thug. He is yeah. the thug. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, there, there's a lot of depth to all of the characters oh, yeah. in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things about this movie from a studio perspective that they were really worried about is a movie with three lead characters. Oh, yeah. They, uh, it's truly an ensemble cast, and they didn't really know what to do with it. And uh, uh, the the director, uh, Curtis Hansen... Uh, who's not a... He, he's not he's a big-name director. Not a big-name I mean, big director. He's done some other, some other films that people yeah. have heard of. Like Eight, Eight Mile. Mile. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he had... Ca- he directed like 13, 15 movies and then had to um, retire because he had Alzheimer's. But he no. also uh, uh, he, he also did Wonder Boys. He was also a writer. He was very involved in the script with this one. He did mm-hmm. seven or eight drafts of it before sending it back to uh, uh, James Elroy, who wrote the novel this was based on, and then they collaborated on the, mm-hmm. on the screenplay. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the director fought really hard to keep it an ensemble cast and the, the studio didn't want it that way. So so the studio just said, fine, we're only going to give you $15 million to make this movie. And he went, fine, I'm, I'm just going to cast no-name actors. <laughs> Which is pretty much what he did. But, you know, it, it you know, Guy P... It, okay, totally funny. Um, you know, two of the leads are Australian. Because yep. you've got Russell Crowe Russell and, Crow Guy, and Pierce. Guy Pierce. are both Australian. Yeah, Guy uh-huh. Pierce, up to this point in his career, his biggest thing was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, playing a drag queen. <laughs> nice. Uh, Russell Crowe had a couple of larger... I, I mean, he'd, he'd been in the American market um, on a couple films because he'd done... Uh, like The Quick and the Dead in 1995 and Virtuosity, if anybody remembers Virtuosity and the the, the delicious but he pile really, of cheese that that is. He hadn't really broken out. But he hadn't really broken movie. out. But th- this was a big hallmarker in his career. And then after this, he went in on to do The Insider, Gladiator, and Beautiful Mind. Like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And wow. got, a, got an Oscar for Gladiator. And no, he got the Oscar for Beautiful Mind. I think the Oscar was for Beautiful for Gla- Mind. Gladiator got Best Picture. Got pic- best so did picture. Beautiful Mind, for that matter. But yeah, think- and Insider was also a heavy contender. On, yeah, on uh, those fronts. But but yeah, you know those. And and Kevin Spacey, I mean his his star was already on the rise because he had done Seven and The Usual Suspects in 1995. Right. So he was starting to become a household name, and then of course two he goes years after this. He got the Oscar for American, uh, Beauty. American Beauty. He actually won twice. Yeah, he won the second time for. Oh, I'm gonna look it up while yeah. you're while you're uh, yeah, giving, but, but, giving uh, little trivia's here. But yeah, you know that the, the, the big at, at this point, you know, aside from like Kim Basinger and, and Danny DeVito, who are kind of character actor level actors yeah. at this point in their career, the biggest name in this movie at the time it came out was James Cromwell who played the chief of police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was just in Babe. And he was cast because they they expected the audience would expect him to be the hero because he was just in Babe. Because, yeah. you know, cute nice. cute yeah. movie yeah. about a, a, 
Actually, Kevin Spacey's first Oscar, by the way, was for The Usual Suspects, Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Holy cow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow, I don't I was, remember I the I was thinking that, and then I was like, ah, I bet I'm wrong. So. Okay. I was, I was right. Yay, so. I win. So go, go <laughs> Kevin Spacey and all of his lovely charm in this movie. Oh. Yeah. Charm oh. and smarm. <laughs> He's such oh, yeah. a beautiful combination of he both. He does that so well. Yeah. Um, so well. But yeah, cheap actors, you know? Wow. The the plot, and you wind up with this ticket, this cast. That's like buying some property in North Dakota before they find out there's oil on it. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Also, well, David Strayhorn, who uh, yeah. played Pratchett. Yeah, David Strayhorn, who, who still isn't a super big household name now, but you know he went on to really, get very, nominated for uh, Good Night and Good Luck for playing Edward Murrow. Yep, he's, and I mean, he's a well-known character actor. He was in Godzilla. He was in Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> It was also in Sneakers, which is a fine film. Which is a fantastic movie. Um, I love the Sneakers. But uh, the, the, the plot in this film is just, it is really complicated. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, you walk out of the room for two minutes and you're lost. And it's well done in the sense that none of this looks to be related. Mm-hmm. None yeah. of this, you know, there, there's like the shot early in the film when you see the, the drug kingpin killed. Mm-hmm. You know, over a case of heroin mm-hmm. or a case of powder. We don't know what the powder is, but then <laughs> one can always assume it's heroin. But then we get tied back to that scene mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. when we understand that the massacre at the diner is because of the stolen heroin. It's just really kind of masterful the way it. There isn't, there isn't ever a scene in this movie that doesn't tie back. To the central story that you can't really, really piece together until mm-hmm. the last little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's difficult to follow. It's just like you don't necessarily get the relationship of these scenes to the larger picture. Mm-hmm. And at times it seems like it's just telling a story about a bunch of cops in, in a corrupt system trying in their own way to work against it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's there's a lot to be said about sensibilities in movies in the '90s, where everything did have to eventually, you know, fit together. Whereas there are a lot of films noir that you know they they threw they have these kind of kaleidoscopic plots where not all of the leads go where you expect them to, but mm-hmm. not not everything gets wrapped up in a nice little bundle like at the end of this one. Yeah. But so it was. It's this nice homage to the really super complex films noir of yesteryear. But also, it gives you this really nice, satisfying nineteen nineties package. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think um, the the score in this I think is remarkable because it's so sparse. Oh yeah, uh, Jerry Goldsmith did a really nice, mm-hmm. very invisible touch sort of. Yeah, there are a lot of moments where the score just kind of bleeds out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it really, I think, punches up the action and punches up the characters. I mean, this is very much a character film. This mm-hmm. is this is about three guys who you think really are at odds with one another, but who are all working essentially for the same same goal. It's mm-hmm. it's like it's three cops who have lost their way in entirely different ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, coming to the realization that they've lost their way and that they need to find their way back to what made them want to be a cop in the first place. I love that uh, scene 
when Guy Pierce asked Kevin Spacey, you know, why did you want to become a cop? <laughs> yeah. And Spacey's answer, which is which is sad and funny, is just I I honestly can't remember. Yeah. You know, he's he's lost the the thing that motivated him to do the job that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And and you kind of feel like at that moment, at that at that moment, he recognizes how far he's come from whatever it was that made him want to be a police officer in the first place and sort of sets him back on the road to go over to James Cromwell's house and say something really stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But going back to the, the stylistic touches of this movie, it, it's interesting to me that it's... It, Usually when modern films go, hey, let's make a film noir, they get really hooked up into the style and the visual style of film noir. And um, this one really doesn't. It it actually is filmed like a modern film, but just with like a slight push into the film noir direction. Um, I was reading some trivia on it, and they were talking about how how Curtis Hansen had guided the uh, cinematographer to kind of lean more towards like the Douglas Cirque in Vincente Minnelli movies of the 1950s so there's this you know wonderful use of color but you don't get into the everything has Venetian blinds in it and there's all these mm-hmm. you know deep shadows and you know the, all these yeah you don't get really Venetian overt. blinds until the motel shootout at the end yeah you don't get really overt homage to film noir you get sort of this except for the cigarettes except for the well everybody's oh. <laughs> so much smoke. Yes, yeah, the fifties. Everybody was smoking in the fifties. Well, yeah. Nobody thought anything of it. Um, I one of the little pieces of trivia that I thought I, I really liked. I love I love when you've got these movies set in L.A. and it's it's interesting how so often they'll tie into the entertainment industry. And mm-hmm. there's just um, the one shot where I think it's Spacey who's standing in front of a movie theater, mm-hmm. and uh, the movie that's showing. Uh, I happen to notice the, the bad and the beautiful, the bad and the beautiful, it? which is a film starring Lana Turner. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like uh, what the hell? Let's let's toss in a Lana, Lana I, Turner reference I love in the background. That, I love that scene so much. That is Lana Turner. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sploosh. Um, and then the giggling in the car afterwards is just beautiful. <laughs> and the uh, um, interesting thing about that is the yeah. Lana Turner and the gangster character that she was uh, yeah she was uh, with it was based on a real gangster and Lana Turner actually did have a relationship yeah. with John, Johnny Sampanato was a real guy. And, oh wow! Um, actually, he uh, they dated for quite a long time until the late fifties when uh, Lana Turner's daughter stabbed him to death. Because he caught him beating up her mother. Yep. So. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the the thing the thing that's interesting about uh, I mean the, one of one of the one of the tropes that we do see here, you know, you've got the the Kim Basinger character, which is kind of the whore with the heart of gold mm-hmm. um, character, uh, but it. It kind of works. I mean, there there are a lot of tropes going on here, but they're they they feel a little fresher than you think they should. Mm-hmm. Um, her character doesn't feel like that like that trope until you kind of think to it later. 
So. Yeah, and and I think a lot of credit goes to her portrayal of that character too. I mean, she she lends a lot of gravitas that wasn't necessarily there in the in the script either. I mean, definitely in the script, she, you know, she's she's a smart lady, and you know, she does definitely have some power of manip- manipulation over the men that uh, are around her, but it's Kim Basinger's performance that really brings that to life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. What else you got on your trivia sheet there, Melissa? Um, there were 45 different locations used. There was only one set built for this movie. So ba- basically, they were all found and dressed locations, and mm. uh, you know they, they did whatever they could just to... Um, use what still existed in Los Angeles to nice. portray Los Angeles of yesteryear. So was the set the Victory Motel? The set was the Victory Motel that was my because kind. they had to blow the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna just shoot up something, yeah. you probably don't want to use a found location. Yeah. Um, There's also nearly 80, spe- 80, 80, 80 speaking parts in this movie. <laughs> Which so speaks to the kind of, of complexity of everything that's well, yeah. going on. Yeah. It speaks to the fact that uh, there's this real commitment to making a movie about uh, a very complicated situation and and not oversimplifying it. I mean, the idea that the studio had wanted to cut out two of the three main characters mm-hmm. and basically try and combine them into the same character. Can you, can you think about what kind of film it would have been if they'd done that? It would mm-hmm. have completely lost all of its impact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's kind of th- th- this, and, and you wouldn't have had Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce and Kevin Spacey in the same right? movie. Yeah, but seriously, but it speaks to the, uh, there is a problem with studio meddling in a lot of films. Mm-hmm. In, in that uh, the studio suits the studio heads rarely they they always think they know what's going to make a good movie, mm-hmm. and they're rarely correct. <laughs> Sometimes they're right. I will. I will give them that. Yeah. I've, I have seen some uh, some studio choices where it's like, yep, <laughs> that that was the correct. The problem is but, when they're correct. Yeah. They're they're correct a lot less than they're wrong. I, I will agree with that. Um, I mean, the studio studios tend to look backwards in that. Hey, that's what's worked in the past. Let's do that again. Sure. Therefore, let's do that same thing yeah. instead of. Let's do something different yeah. and find something else that works. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, there's there's where you're going with LA Confidential. They're like, well, we want we want this movie to be driven by one character without recognizing that what makes the story compelling is how all three of these characters are working around the same problem mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. gradually come together to piece all of it together and solve the big picture crime that's going on and if you only have one guy that's basically doing all of that well I think the entire impact of the film would have been blunted and nobody would talk about it anymore right it wouldn't be a film that anybody you know I've uh, Roger Ebert wrote about it in his great movies column which is you know it's always interesting to go oh he, he thought that highly of this film yeah um and uh, a lot of other, a lot of uh, people put it on one of the, put it down as one of the best films of the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it had an impact that it would not have had 
Yeah. Had yeah. they had that change been allowed to stand, and you know, you can you can what if, but at the same time, I just I don't think this movie would have had that impact if you if you tried to make it about a single protagonist. Yeah. Instead of three, uh, altogether. Also, it, it, you know, it's really remarkable. You know, $15 million is not a huge amount of money for a studio picture. And, you know, yeah. with that, you know, level of production value. You know, I th- how they did so much with, you know, so little with, you know, what they were given. Yeah. There, there's a lot of economy in how they tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um. What else you got in your your little your little fact well, sheet there, Melissa? I mean, we already touched on this with, uh, but uh, Johnny Stampanato. Uh, but a lot of the events that are depicted in the movie are real, uh, like the the police beating up uh, the Hispanic prisoners. That was something that actually happened. Mickey oh. Cohen was a real gangster. He was teamed up with Bugsy Siegel when Bugsy Siegel went to L.A. to run. Um, you know, run all prostitution and drug rings, and when Siegel got assassinated in, like, 1947, Mickey Cohen took over, and, you know, he was, uh, you know, taken in twice for tax evasion, and, you know, eventually, you know, died of natural causes in, like, 1976 as a colorful addendum to the (laughs) L.A. community. Um, You know, all that that stuff is real. Um, The LAPD goon squad, that was a real deal. They actually Um, made a movie about the goon squad, which apparently was so bad, it still hasn't been released. (laughs) Wow. Right? Isn't that right? Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was just a couple of years back, and um, now I'm I'm trying to look it up. Maybe it was called Goon Squad. Yeah, the the Mickey Cohen and Bugsy Siegel thing, there's a movie called Bugsy that is about that thing. Um, It's not called Goon Squad. I don't know what it's called. Somebody, <laughs> Way to go, Tim. Yeah, I'm sorry, but there there is yeah. a there was a movie made about the the yeah. the guy the LAPD cops who were you know basically driving the the gangs out of. Oh yeah. And the, oh, I remember why. It, it's because there was a shootout in a movie theater mm-hmm. in the film, mm-hmm. and the film was set to be released right after. The sh- the shooting in the movie theater oh, yeah. for Batman. Yeah. Gangster. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Gangsters was a gangster, gangster squad? squad. I think. Yeah. We're totally off track, but this is really important. <laughs> that I figure this out. This is important stuff. I wanted to see that. Well, and you can't. Yeah. I can't. God damn it. Uh, but it, but I anyway. Can't find it. it but I will find it. I think While you're talking, I think, I'm going to find okay. it. Okay, so uh, the movie is called L.A. Confidential because Confidential was a like a tabloid rag like Hush Hush was in the okay. movie. So Hush Hush is based on the real thing called Confidential, okay. hence the title. Okay. Confidential. Uh, also, the... Uh, the uh, the club with the uh, women who were, you know... Uh, Prostitutes dressed up like movie stars or, you know, lookalikes for the movie uh-huh. stars. Um, there's, you know, anecdotal evidence that that also actually existed. Huh. Um, like Mickey Rooney's autobiography mentions it. Because, <laughs> you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Good old Mickey Rooney. Gangster Squad. It was Gangster Squad. See? By the See? Way. I told you. Gangster yeah. Squad. Now, once you got my brain on the right track, I remember seeing those, those uh, trailers and I wanted to see it. But I can't. I can't. In which Sean Penn plays Mickey Cohen. Yep, there he is. There you go, Mickey Cohen returns. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah, they, they, they actually did. Yeah. Um, you know, now, the thing that's... Uh, now, it wasn't the author of this film, of, of this book. Yeah, uh, James Ellery. Yeah, wasn't he? Isn't he Australian? Is that what I'm remembering? Um, I, or was he? There's something he, about he, him. Was, he was speaking in Australia, and um, somebody had brought up, um, hey, isn't LA Confidential being made in a movie? And he goes, yes, and in fact, two of your own countrymen are playing leads in it, and they laughed. All right, that's the yeah, end. And, and yeah, Guy Pierce was actually at the, the reading, and he was kind of horrified that, <laughs> that they were laughing at him. But, <laughs> but it turns out just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he and Russell Crowe did a fine job oh at their God. American accents. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it's uh, Guy Pierce is one of those actors uh, that you know I I had seen him in Priscilla Queen of the Desert, and to see him in this film, yes, <laughs> right after seeing him in Priscilla Queen of the Desert and, is and, really and to something. See, to see him in this film and have somebody tell you he's the same actor, you're like you kind of squint and you're like, okay. See, yes. I, I recognize him because of those cheekbones. Yeah, the he cheekbones. does have yeah. lovely yeah. cheekbones. Oh, mm. uh, <laughs> although he looks so fragile, you know, you'd think yeah. Muscle, Russell Crowe would deck him and like he'd shatter. Yeah, yeah, um, you'd think. Must also, be Russell Crowe, well-known uh, kind of method actor, his character is supposed to be really, really tall, mm-hmm. like six foot something. And he was thinking big. He he's not. Big. He's not that tall, so he rented an apartment. With low doors, so he would feel taller. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. So he could act tall. Um, <laughs> I, I that's lo- fantastic. I love it. It is cool. I, I love that he based his performance on uh, Sterling Hayden in The Killing. Mm. Sterling Hayden being one of those great, you know, kind of brutish actors of yesteryear. Uh, mm. Those of you who have seen um, Dr. Strangelove or... Sure. How we mm-hmm. learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Uh, Sterling Hayden was uh, the uh, the general who goes insane <laughs> and starts yes. talking about fluoride. Fluoride, yes. <laughs> and he's glorious at it. He is glorious, and yes. And then uh, Kevin Spacey uh, used Dean Martin as yeah. an inspiration oh, for yeah. for playing his character. Dean Martin doing dramatic roles uh, in in the film noir era. There, there are some fan- he did some fantastic work mm. back then. All right, so uh, I don't know. Maybe it's time for final thoughts so. about this particular movie, uh, Melissa. There's a Wilhelm scream at the end. <laughs> there is. It's, it's in the shootout. God in the it. shootout, there's a Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> because just there just needs to be. Yep. Ah, that's what I got. Jenna, final thoughts. Um, if I was a movie star hooker, <laughs> I'd want to be Catherine Hepburn, but I think I could only pull off Claire Danes. So. Mm. Uh, Not willing to get all of the face work done. Yeah. Eh. I have absolutely no response to that. So <laughs> I, I'd have to be Orlando Bloom. So what Maybe I'm going to say for I my... Ooh, like Orlando, Orlando Bloom. Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty. Well, we're having girl time, don't mind yeah, us. So we're, we're what I'm going to say for my final thoughts is uh, that uh, our next movie... I said at the end of our, our last podcast that our next movie was going to be 
uh, Murder on the Orient Express. That was a lie. Our next Liar. movie was going to be this movie. Uh, <laughs> and then the movie after this movie is going to be Murder on the Orient Express, which we're going to be watching over at the Trilon Movie Theater on Bad Choice for Us, Oscar night, the 22nd of February. Uh, so if you're not watching the Oscars or maybe at my house for my Oscar party where I won't be, <laughs> tears well, of sadness. We, oh, well. we can join later and find out all the... All the all the all, all the, the wins. all the wins. But uh, anyway, February twenty second at the Trilon Movie Theater, we're going to be watching Murder on the Orient Express, which again, uh, really fantastic movie. Yeah, strongly encourage that you come and uh, watch it with us if you don't give a damn about the Oscars, and maybe you don't. So, uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy your movies, and uh, we will catch you on our next episode. Goodbye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.